Welcome to Soul City Church. We're so glad that you're here tonight. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, where God is going to lead us in our time together. Uh, this last week, uh, as a family, we actually went to go see the movie Frozen. Have any of you seen this movie? Yeah, uh, it's, it's a Disney classic, uh, and um, we went to go see it. It was, it was fantastic, uh, and, and of course now in our household, we've been singing the soundtrack all week. It's almost like a Disney musical a little bit, but in our true Stevens family kind of fashion, we can't just sing the, the songs, there's a lot of dramatic, like, moving of the hands while we sing the songs. You know, people are grabbing hairbrushes, using them as microphones. Uh, so we've had a ton of fun, and, uh, and it's a great movie. Uh, and essentially, it's just like every other Disney story. Uh, ultimately, it is about an act of true love. And uh, it's, a, it's a great little thing. It's a great little movie. Uh, and, and of course, like Disney, everyone lives happily ever after at the end. It's got all these great characters and ingredients and a plot line and all that kind of stuff to make for a perfect multi-million dollar Disney creation. And uh, the underlying bottom line of the movie is that love once again conquers all. It's like every single Disney movie, right? And it's usually found in the movies that we like. Uh, that, that this story, this hope that love conquers all. And, and we love seeing when love works, don't we? Uh, and we love it in a movie. We love it in a book. We love it in a TV show. We love when love actually works. But what do you do when it doesn't? What do you do when love is hard? What do you do when it's difficult? When love doesn't seem to work and instead it actually seems to hurt? What do you do when loving someone is really, really hard? When you've been hurt or maybe when you've been wronged? When there's a person in your life and they are just exhausting to be around. When you have a relationship and that relationship is toxic and, and you don't know how to create healthy boundaries in that relationship. When there's a person in your life that is just plain hard to love. What do you do when you come across a person that's hard to love? Well, there, there are people that are just plain hard to love. That is a fact, isn't it? There are just people that are hard to love. Now, how many of you are sitting next to that person right now? Okay, right. No, don't raise your hand because they probably just thought that about you, right? When love gets hard, when love gets hard, there is both good news and there is bad news. Okay? I'm the kind of person that when I know there's going to be good news and bad news, I usually like to take the bad news first uh, so I know something good is coming. So the bad news, the bad news about loving difficult and hard people is that the odds of having people in your life, every season of your life, that are hard to love is hovering right around 100%. You are most likely always going to have someone in your life that is hard to love. Now, that's the bad news, okay? The good news is that they may be some of the most important people in your life ever because God may have allowed your lives to intersect for a very particular reason. 
Now, we say this every single week around here. Jared just said it a few moments ago. Our mission is that we want to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. In a relationship with Jesus, we want to be transformed. We want him to change our lives. And I can honestly say that one of the primary ways that God has grown me, one of the primary ways that he has transformed me, has been through learning how to love hard people in my life. God's changed me. He's transformed me through difficult relationships. I don't know what it is, but when I've been in seasons where I'm lacking grace, it seems like God just sends somebody into my life that requires an extra amount of grace. When I've needed more empathy in my life, God tends to send people that require new levels of compassion and understanding. When I really needed to grow in patience in my life, God allowed me to become a parent. And my children, I love them with all of my heart. There are no two other people on the planet that require more patience in my life. And just as as lifting weights strengthens a muscle and doing cardio strengthens the heart, people that are hard to love actually strengthen your ability to love. People that are hard to love actually strengthen your ability to love. You see, people who are hard to love can actually grow our heart for love. People who are hard to love can actually grow our heart for love. Because people that are hard to love, they strengthen this ability inside of us. And God often uses hard people to grow our heart for people. And and no one mastered the art of loving people that are hard to love better than Jesus. Okay, You, You just look at his short life on earth, and he had a ton of practice in loving hard people. The Romans, they tried to silence Jesus, right? Herod wanted to kill him. Pilate washed his hands of him. Religious leaders, they envied him. His family thought he had totally lost his mind. The townspeople wanted to stone him. Judas betrayed him. Soldiers beat him. The crowds shouted for his crucifixion, and his own disciples actually ran out on him. Yet Jesus never once prayed for God to remove the complicated people from his life. I'm convinced that if he had, there would have been no people left at all. In fact, his teachings on loving those that are hard to love have literally turned everything upside down in our world. And tonight, what I want to invite you to do is to actually grab your Bible. We're going to dive into a passage of Scripture where Jesus talks about how is it that we love the hard people in our life to love. So there's a blue Bible. Uh, It's in the seat back in front of you. I'm going to have you turn to the book of Matthew. It's towards the the end of the Bible. Uh, It's in the New Testament. It's found on page 678. And the passage that we're going to look at uh, is actually, uh, it's, in, it's in a portion of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a really famous message, really famous sermon that Jesus actually gave. Uh, and, and this little portion of Jesus' sermon has challenged uh, world leaders and activists for centuries. In fact, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, he heard these words. And even after he had been stabbed, even after his home had been firebombed, he refused, he refused to allow hatred or revenge-seeking to motivate 
the civil rights movement. In fact, the very values, the very values that he set for his movement come right out of this passage of scripture that we're going to look at tonight. So I want to look at Matthew 5. We're going to start uh, at verse 43. This is Jesus, and he is saying this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Okay, so we're going to pause right there for a second. So Jesus starts out by saying, love your enemies. Okay, he, he doesn't hold anything back. In those first few verses, Jesus says, if you call yourself a Christian, okay, if you consider yourself a member of the family of God, then you need to know that in this family, we do things differently. We play by a different set of values. Now, a while back in our family, we've got, we've got two kids and we've got a dog, okay? And so we, we coined our family as Team Stevens. And while I only think of us as four, our kids like to think the dog is even included in the family values, so they like to think of us as a family of five, okay? So Team Stevens is five, well, four people, one dog strong, okay? And on Team Stevens, we talk about our family values a lot. And, and some of our family values go go like this. So we'll say things to our kids like, on our team, on Team Stevens, we always stay in our seat for dinner, okay? The bar's really high in our family, guys. The, the values are tough. Uh, and so, you know, we'll say things like, on Team Stevens, you got to stay in your seat for the whole entire meal. On Team Stevens, okay, on our team, you have to eat everything that's on your plate. You have to at least try it, okay? You can't say you don't like broccoli if you haven't tried the broccoli. On our team, we make our kids, you know, make their beds in the morning. On our team, we say, you know, there's no potty talk allowed. And that one's been really hard for Jarrett. He's really, really struggled uh, with that value. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that my children, they don't do things the same way as the world. We've got a set of values We've got a way that we do things. And he goes on to say, neither does my father God. And so he goes on and he says, he, meaning God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? And so basically Jesus says here, God's love, God's love breaks all of your rules. God's love breaks all of your, your human logic, essentially. He gives his very best to everyone, regardless. The sun warms and the rain nourishes Everyone. You see, God does not discriminate in his love. He doesn't love the good ones one way and the bad ones another way. He's not this kind of God that's like extra nice to the really nice people and mean and stingy and cold to the nasty people. So what happens is is Jesus goes on here and he asks a rhetorical but very convicting question. He says, if you only love the ones that are easy to love, well, then do you really love? Do you really love? Because Jesus says, basically anyone can do that, right? I mean, anyone can do that. And, And he lists and he says, you know, even pagans, even tax collectors, they do that. But if you really want to love, 
Jesus goes on to say here in verse 48, well, here's what you got to do. Be perfect. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect. I mean, is Jesus really saying that what he expects of us is perfection? That he expects us to, to never foul out or to mess up in our lives? The Greek word, actually, for perfection, is, it's actually pronounced teliai, teliai. And, and the word can actually be translated as complete. That, that what Jesus is asking of us is he wants us to pursue spiritual maturity, that he wants us to be complete in our love for others through Jesus. That the way that we are to love is to love like God without judgment, without being partial, that when it comes to love, that we need to have a mature love that's complete. It's sort of an all-inclusive love. It's not lacking. It's a love like God's. There's no exceptions to the rule. It means that essentially Jesus believes in you. He believes in you, and he has an expectation on you that you're capable of doing this. He believes that you are capable of offering this kind of love. That's why he says, be perfect. He wouldn't ask you to do something that you weren't capable of doing. He says, be perfect, be complete, be mature in your love. And I expect this of you, and I believe you're capable of doing it. We say this all the time around here. We've got this phrase, and maybe you've heard us say this at Soul City, that everyone is accepted here. Everyone is accepted here. And we love having that as a part of our mantra at Soul City Church. Everyone is accepted. But if you've heard the entirety of the phrase, it follows with, but everyone is expected to grow. Everyone's accepted. You're accepted right where you're at. But if you are in the family of God, if you call yourself a child of God, a follower of Jesus, you are expected to grow. And Jesus believes you are capable of growing. You are capable of loving, even when it's hard. To let the same kind of love that God offers be the kind of love that you strive to offer. But let's be really honest. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when that love doesn't come easy to you? I mean, what do you do when you think, okay, yes, Jesus, I want to offer that kind of love. I want to be that kind of person. I want to be complete. I want to be mature, not lacking in anything. But That's really hard. That doesn't come easy to me, God. What about when we're hurt? What about when someone wounds us? Uh, I don't know about you, but my first reaction is not to respond to them with love. Like you think about yourself, you're at a party and, and you find out that someone's been talking about you, somebody's been gossiping about you, and then you find out that you're there at the same party and you know they're over there and you're over here and you just see them and you're like, oh, I want to go talk to them, right? And you go walking up to them and you're like, hey, how you doing? It's been so long. I heard you were gossiping about me. I heard you said some really good things about me, you know? And, you know, I just wanted to tell you tonight, I love you. I love you. Come here. Let's have a hug, right? You don't do that. Or at least that's not your natural inclination, is it? It's not mine. When I've been hurt, when I've been wounded, my natural instinct is retaliation. 
That's my natural instinct, to return hurt with hurt, to get back, to get even, to, to figure out how to have like a great comeback line, which is so frustrating for me because whenever I'm in those situations, the comeback line, it comes the next day in the shower. Because I'm like, oh man, if I just would have said that, that would have been awesome, you know? And, and it's always like a day late, right? There's a classic uh, Chicago movie, uh, The Untouchables. Uh, it's about the mob and, and Al Capone. Maybe you've seen it. And the main character in the movie, he says, uh, you, know, you want to know how to get Capone? Well, when they pull a knife, you pull a gun. If he sends one of yours to the hospital, will you send one of his to the morgue? That's the Chicago way. Friends, we come from a great city. Thank you, Jarrett. We come from a great city, and this city has really matured and grown over the years, right? You see, when we're hurt and when we're wounded, we want to hurt back. Because the hurt and the wound, it makes us feel small, doesn't it? We want to figure out how to muster up some strength again and to feel strong again. And so we want to hurt and wound back. And what ends up happening, what ends up happening is that being in a relationship with people that are hard to love, that one of the quickest things that happens is that lines get drawn. You see, it's human nature for people to take sides and to divide people up into categories. And what we start to do is we start to see people as us and them. Us over there and them over here. But what Jesus says is that the people on the other side of the line the people on the other side of the line, those are the ones that are going to actually teach you how to love. It's not the ones over here that are safe and easy on this side of the line. It's the ones over here on the other side of the line that are going to actually teach you how to love. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time together uh, is I want to walk through a couple different types of people. And while I, I don't necessarily think that putting people into categories uh, is a really honoring thing, uh, what I want to do is I want to walk through three kinds of people. And my hope is that it's going to actually serve as a tool to help us identify how Jesus might be asking us to love these kinds of people in our life. So the first kind of person uh, that we're going to look at, uh, the first kind of people that we're going to look at are people that are different different people. And there are people that are just different from you, aren't there? In fact, turn to the person on your right real quick. Take a good look at them. Okay, turn to the person on your left. Take a good look at them. They are different from you, aren't they? They're very different from you. And, and I can make a promise to you. If you're in relationship with them right now, at some point, they might be hard to love. Okay? They're different from you. Now, here's the second promise you might be hard to love too one day. People are different from us. They have different tendencies. They, they maybe have different values, maybe different ideas about how to do things. They, they probably worry about different things than you worry about. They probably like different food. They like different music. They maybe drive differently. They talk differently. They maybe raise their kids differently. And what they are is they are different. They're not bad. They're not evil. They are different. In fact, you may be married or dating someone that is very, very different from you. 
I absolutely adore my husband. I, I love Jared with all of my heart. We have been married for 17 years. He is the finest man I have ever known. But we are so unbelievably different, I don't know where to begin to describe it. We are utterly different. Jarrett Jarrett likes things, and I, I don't totally understand it, but when he acquires things, he puts them in piles, okay? There are piles all over my house. I mean, our house. I mean, my house. But he, he, he finds things in, like, books or receipts or stuff or things. I don't know what they are, but there's these piles. They're just all over. They're on the counter. They're on the bedside table. They're on his dresser. There's been like a pile on the dresser for like six months. I don't know what's in the pile. It's just there. There's piles. He, and he's a piler. And, and we're different. We're different. He likes piles, okay? This is one of our differences. Another difference in ours is, uh, of ours is that sometimes when I will get in the car, like if Jared's been out driving the car, and I get in the car, um, and he hasn't turned the radio off, I'll get in the car, and this music will come at me. This, it, it's hip-hop and rap, and it's just like blaring, and I'm like instantly in a concert, and it's like, it scares me. It scares me. The, <laughs> And, uh, and we are just so different. In fact, he, he wanted to help illuminate our differences um, and took me to a concert a little bit ago. In fact, this is a little video that I took uh, while we were there. People are different, okay? People are very different. They are very different. And what happens, what happens when people are different is what ends up happening is they trigger our personal preferences and they usually ignite our judgments. When people are different from us, they trigger our personal preferences. I don't like that music. I don't like how you pile things. And what it does is it ignites our judgments. It ignites our judgments. And judgment says, you're different and I'm better. That's what judgment does. You're different and I'm better. And judgment draws lines that separate us. And if we don't pay attention to it, what it does is it builds walls that keep us from actually being able to love. So, instead of choosing judgment with those that are different from you, how can we begin to actually choose love. Well, of course, Jesus has something to say about this. Uh, In the book of Matthew, he says a quick little phrase, but a very wise phrase. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You see, judging others, when judgment rises up inside of us, it has this almost boomerang effect, and it ends up falling back on us, doesn't it? And to love those that are different from us will actually require something different. It will require something deeper. It will require curiosity. You see, when someone does something different, when someone does something different from you, what curiosity does is curiosity says with an openness, I wonder why they did that. 
I wonder why they did that. What might be going on in their life that would maybe cause them to make that decision? I wonder, I wonder what I could offer them. I wonder what I could bring to the relationship to, to let them know that I really love them. You, you see the difference there? Curiosity keeps us open, doesn't it? Curiosity keeps the relationship growing. Curiosity allows for the relationship to actually blossom and to get stronger. But what judgment does is judgment closes the relationship. Judgment halts the relationship. So curiosity keeps us open, keeps us growing, but judgment keeps us closed. And loving different people from us will require curiosity. So that's the first group of people, people that are different. The way to love them is by offering curiosity. The second group that I want to look at uh, is difficult people. So the first group is different people. The second group is difficult people. And difficult people are often people that we have a challenging past with. These are often people whose core values really conflict with your core values. Difficult people often have a very low awareness of how their behavior affects others. These people can often be stubborn and and almost blind to their own brokenness. These people can be emotionally needy and even demanding of your time and your attention. And difficult people often allow their insecurities to lead in the relationship. And difficult people uh, can be people that have maybe said hurtful things about you. They've gossiped about you. Difficult people can be people with a short temper. Uh, difficult people can, can often be people that, that when they drink too much, they get really angry. They get really mean. They can be really hard to be around. And being in a relationship with a difficult person is very exhausting and draining, isn't it? It's very exhausting, and it's very draining. And oftentimes, you will find yourself coming to God over and over and over again and almost holding your hands open and saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this difficult person in my life. God, what should I do? In fact, there's, there's a verse uh, in the book of Romans. Uh, it's in the 12th chapter, and it says this, that if it is possible... If it is possible, if it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So in order to love a difficult person, we have to learn how to live at peace. And to live at peace requires that we remain centered. You see, to be centered is to be at peace. And when we allow ourselves to become depleted or even discouraged by a difficult person in a difficult relationship, it is often very hard to remain centered, isn't it? It's very hard to remain at peace. It doesn't mean that maybe the relationship is at peace. You can have a very tricky relationship, and that relationship may not be at peace. But you can be at peace. But when you allow that relationship to drain you and to deplete you, it is very hard to remain centered and at peace with Jesus. And to remain centered on Jesus, to remain at peace within ourselves, even if the relationship is a mess, requires thinking of difficult people as our teachers instead of our enemies. You see, we, we have to turn our thinking We have to see them as teachers instead of our enemy. Uh, Early uh, in my uh, leadership uh, development, I found myself uh, in a relationship uh, with someone. 
and uh, the, the relationship, we started out, um, it, it was back in uh, ministry, I was in my uh, sort of late 20s, and uh, this guy and I, we had a ton of differences. Uh, we, just, we just saw things very differently, and those differences took root quite quickly, and the relationship actually became very, very difficult. And we sat down, and we tried to talk it out a few times, and we tried to make it better, um, but each time we ended up hitting the wall. And the tension in our relationship, it grew, and there was just a lack of respect on both parts. There was judgment both ways, and, and we had two totally different sets of core values. And I remember uh, just getting to the point in the relationship where I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to do. I, I just thought, I'm going to walk out on this ministry. I'm going to be done. This is not worth it. This is way too hard. This person is just way too difficult for me to keep trying to work at this. And I remember sitting down with a friend and a mentor, um, just saying, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I remember this friend um, said, you know, Jeannie, do you think that there is something in him that God might be trying to reveal more about you? Do you think that there's actually something in him and a way that you're being triggered by him that God is actually trying to reveal about you. And I'll be honest, uh, when they asked the question, I did not like the question. I, I did not think it was a good question. I was sort of mad at the question because I liked my judgment, okay? My judgment felt really good to me, and my judgment felt spot on. I was like, I know who this guy is. I'm right. He's wrong. And, and what this question did was it required all of those things to have to fall. And the more I sat with it, and, and more importantly, the more I sat with Jesus, the more I quieted my heart and chose to be in a posture of peace and chose to be centered, the more I began to recognize that this relationship had some of the most profound spiritual curriculum wrapped within it. And when I got into that centered place, I knew that it had something to teach me. One of the first things that I had to recognize was that I was an equal participant in the problem. One of the first things I had to recognize was that I was not a victim in this situation. I was actually a participant. I was a contributor to us not having a good relationship. I was a participant in what was making it difficult. And that was a very important thing for me to start to, to wrestle with and to understand. It caused me to recognize uh, that the relationship needed some new and some healthy boundaries. Uh, that the likeliness of our core values uh, automatically changing uh, was probably not going to happen. So we needed to change how we interacted. And I, I had to draw some new boundaries in the relationship. And not only did I have to draw some physical boundaries and, and how much we interacted with one another, but I had to draw some mental boundaries. And what I mean by that is that every time this guy came into my mind and every time I started to think about him, I started to get frustrated and I started to get angry. And so I decided that every time I got frustrated, I was going to start to listen to worship music. And have you ever tried to hate somebody while listening to worship music? It's really hard. It's like almost impossible. 
And so what happened was God started to renew my mind. He started to change my mind. Every time I started to think about, you know, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to say this next thing or do this next thing or get back at him this way, I I made it a practice to stop and to pause and to say, instead of wanting to retaliate, God, I'm going to actually choose to pray for him. You see, I spent a lot of time praying about him, telling God what I thought he should do about him, but I didn't spend a lot of time praying for him. And when I began to pray for him, my heart and my mind began to change. When I wanted to be disrespectful oh, and, and just sort of walk out of the ministry, because this is what I thought about doing. You know, I'm going to just, I'm going to just going to leave gracefully. I'm going to just leave my position. You know, they'll figure out another way to fulfill all of the things that I have done. The Lord just quietly pressed in on me and said, actually, I think there's another way. And what I decided to do was to take a very non-glamorous, behind-the-scenes serving role, and I was faithful to showing up every week without ever receiving recognition for doing it. And it was one of the best things that God grew in my heart. It was not easy. And that relationship was one of the best teachers for maturing my love for others. And some of you have some very difficult relationships. There's no way that I could even uh, go through every difficult relationship in this room. I, I know that there are difficult relationships with coworkers, with family members, with neighbors, with friends, with roommates, with spouses with ex-husbands, with ex-wives, very difficult relationships. And what a difficult relationship requires is for you to love from a centered and peaceful place. And you remaining centered, you choosing to be at peace is essential to you learning how to offer love to a difficult person. So the last group that we're going to look at, and then we'll wrap this up, Uh, is damaging people. So the first group that we looked at, they were different people, and the the way to love them is to be curious. The second group is difficult people. The way to love them is to be centered. The third group we're gonna look at is damaging people, okay? Damaging people are often people that have caused physical, emotional, or even spiritual harm in our lives. And they're people whose addictions have dominated their life. People who, who choose to continue uh, to hurt others, and, and, and they hurt themselves, actually. Damaging people are often uh, addicts. Damaging people uh, often try to use um, power to control others. Damaging people, they don't have uh, an emotional ability to put themselves in the shoes of someone else, and they are completely self-consumed and narcissistic. And damaging people are often very crafty. They're very manipulative. They can be evil people, almost like a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And damaging people can be very, very dangerous. And whenever there are people in our lives... Whenever there are people in our lives that are damaging, they always will require courageous love. The way to interact with a damaging person will always require courageous love. 
In fact, that, that same uh, book of the Bible, Romans, that we were just referring to, in the same chapter, just a little bit further down, uh, it says, do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, when we engage in wise and courageous love towards damaging people, what we're doing is we are overcoming their evil with good. We're overcoming their evil with good. And courageous love, it requires great amounts of wisdom. Courageous love requires great amounts of wisdom. It, and it's almost always different in every situation. There's not just like one prescription for how to do courageous love to a damaging person. It almost always includes the discernment and the direction of a counselor that can help process the situation which has caused the relationship to become damaging. Accountability is necessary. It will require drawing boundaries. Boundaries are always necessary with a damaging person. And and here's the amazing thing about boundaries. The boundaries don't just protect the person that's being damaged. Because oftentimes we think of drawing a boundary to protect the person that's been damaged by the damaging person, right? But what the boundary actually also does is the boundary says, I'm going to communicate love by showing this damaging person that their behavior actually has consequences. You see, you drawing the boundary is a loving thing. It's a loving thing by communicating to the person. Your behavior, your unhealthy behavior has consequences in our relationship. And courageous love uh, sometimes even requires uh, suffering more loss. I, uh, I knew a girl uh, a number of years ago, um, fantastic girl. I knew, she was in high school uh, when, when we had uh, a really good friendship, and I got to watch her grow up. And as she approached her senior year, uh, she began thinking about, you know, where she was going to go to school. And uh, her family was a very wealthy family. Uh, they had a lot of resources, and they, they had a, a trust for her to go to school. It was all saved up, and they had planned for her to go off to a very prestigious Ivy League school. It was all paid for, ready for her to go. And as she approached her senior year, uh, she began to get this sense that the plan that her parents had plotted for her was not the plan that she wanted for herself. And so she began to start to talk to her parents and say, I actually think that the, the plan that you have for me is not the plan that I sense God has for me. And I actually want to take a different direction. I actually I want to pursue this uh, path in my life. And her parents very clearly said to her, if you choose to not go to this school, you will not receive this money. If, if you don't follow the plan that we have for you, you will not receive this money. And so she, you know, walked away from the conversation just going, oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, should, maybe I should just follow through. Maybe I should just, you know, go to the school. How bad could it be? But she knew, she knew that she was supposed to pursue another path. And so she went to her parents and she said, um, I, I love you and I respect you as my parents, but I know that that is not, what God has put me on the earth to do. And I'm going to actually go to this school. And I would love to have your blessing. I would love to have your support. I would love to have the resources uh, to be able to to choose this path. Um, And her parents looked at her and said, you don't get the money. And don't worry about coming home at Christmas 
or at spring break. And they severed the relationship. And it was incredibly, incredibly damaging and painful and hurtful. And she made a courageous choice, didn't she? She made a courageous choice to follow God. And it was painful. It was painful to not receive those resources. And she had school bills and and loans for, for many, many years. And the relationship was severed for many, many years. But what she did was she chose to continually offer courageous love to her parents when they were willing to receive it. And and when a damaging person comes into our life or when we have a damaging situation, it is logical. It is logical to avoid someone that has harmed you. It's logical to do that. And it is often wise and necessary to limit the person's ability to ever harm you again, to ever damage you again. But damaging people, what they know is they know how to damage people, most likely because they themselves have been damaged. You see, evil knows the ways of evil. But what evil can't comprehend is goodness. What evil can't comprehend is love. It doesn't know what to do with love. It doesn't know what to do with goodness. You see, evil seeks death, but goodness offers life. Evil slinks around in the dark, but goodness walks in the light. And oftentimes, oftentimes, our enemies, especially damaging people, they don't even realize the extent to which they have hurt us. They don't even realize the extent to which they have hurt us. In fact, some of the very last words of Jesus, when he hung on the cross, when he hung on the cross and he put his hands out for you and for me so that we could be in relationship with him, the words that he said were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. They know not what they've done. And one of the most challenging parts of loving those who are different and difficult or even dangerous is that the they that Jesus is speaking about is actually us. Friends, we are the they. We are the they. Romans 5 says, for if while we were God's enemies, you see, at one time, we were once God's enemies. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Every one of us has been given an ultimate pardon. We were all once enemies. We have been shown love like no other. Every one of us is desperate for grace, hopeless without mercy, helpless and in need of power. And God lavished his unconditional love upon us. And his love goes on and on and on and on. And when we think that it perhaps has run out, God's love just continues to go on and on and on. That's why loving those people in our life that are different or difficult or damaging, the very best thing that we can do is to offer that same kind of love in an appropriate way back to them. Because that's the love that was offered to us. 
That's the love that was offered to us. And the reason that I know it's possible to do it, and some of you may be sitting here tonight thinking, but you don't know my story. You don't know how different this person is. You don't know how difficult this person is. You have no idea how damaging this person has been in my life. You are exactly right. I have no idea about it, but I do know this. Jesus has loved you. He has given the ultimate price, his life, for you and for me. And that's why I know it's possible to love like this because of Jesus. It's not possible in your strength. It's not possible in my strength. But it is possible through Jesus to actually love. To have this authentic, complete, God kind of love, that teleo kind of love, that mature, complete, not lacking anything kind of love. And so what I want to do is I want to lead you through a time of prayer in asking God to give us the ability to love like this. And so I want to just ask you to bow your heads and and we're going to spend a few moments reflecting together. And so God, we come before you. And Lord, we bring to mind the people in our lives that are different from us. And I want to just challenge each of you to take a few moments and to pray for those people, to actually thank God for them and how they are different from you. And to now think about the people in your life that are difficult. And you may have prayed about them, But what I want to invite you to do right now is to actually pray for them. To pray for them. That the love of God would overcome them. And then for the people in our lives that have been damaging or that are damaging, I want to take a moment and just pray for you those of you that are in a relationship or have a person in your life that has just been so damaging. And God, I I just pray right now that you would well up inside of us a courageous and bold love, a mature and complete kind of love, an all-inclusive kind of love. And God, would you give us love with wisdom Would you show us how to engage in courageous love, God? Perhaps how to draw new boundaries? And God, we thank you. We thank you that your love has never run out on us. It has never dried up, God. Your love, it just continues to go on and on and on. And God, we confess that sometimes we don't know how to love like that, but we want to. We want to, and so thank you for Jesus and for the ultimate example of his life that shows us how to love. Jesus, would you, would you turn our hearts? Would you change our hearts? Would you grow our hearts so that we could be people of love? And we are so grateful, so grateful for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.